What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Lights Out Podcast. This is a especially brutal case that we're covering today, the Blue Moon Murders. Authorities in Pensacola, Florida, are investigating the brutal killings of three people found dead in a home. Initial research has led us to believe that there's a potential that it was a ritualistic killing. The bodies of 77-year-old Von Seal Smith and her two adult sons, Richard and John Smith, were discovered on Friday. The time of death, we believe, on Tuesday also coincides uh, with what's referred to as a blue moon, which occurs every three years. Boxes, furniture, and trash filled the rooms, and massive piles of clothes were scattered everywhere. They have one main rule, harm none and do as you will. I would not harm my family, sir, for nothing in this world. It's uh, witchcraft. I'll, I'll say that right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Lights Out Podcast. I am your host, Josh. I'm joined in the studio by my co-host, Austin. Hey, what's up, man? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. And my producer, Daniel. How's it going, man? Good, man. How you doing? Doing all right. This is a especially brutal case that we're covering today. Mr. Donald Hartung Sr. and the Blue Moon Murders. And what does that exactly mean? Well, stick around and find out there's a lot of very bizarre elements to this one ouija boards the wiccan religion the fact that this may or may not be ritual murders but what never ceases to i guess really disturb me is the fact that people are able to brutally murder their own family members i can't think of something more heinous and evil than that yeah, even just like biological programming, it seems yeah. to go against everything that we're kind of built to do, is kind of to protect your family, right? And in this case, Mr. Donald Hartung does exactly the opposite. So get ready. This one is very, very brutal and graphic in nature. But before we get into the episode, I just want to remind everybody that very easy and free way to support the show is to make sure you're subscribed to us. There's tons of you who watch on YouTube who aren't subscribed to the channel. We're 1,000 subscribers away from 400,000. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's crazy. That's we're, nuts. We're coming along here, and then every along. time you hit a uh, 100,000, it's like every 100,000 you pass, it feels like another, I don't know, kind of makes me a little sentimental how yeah, far the yeah. show's come, you know? We've been in the 300,000s for, for a while now, so it feels good to be moving towards that half a million mark yeah I mean, that's pretty exciting so if you're not subscribed help us get to 400,000 just take a minute make sure you're subscribed to the youtube channel we really appreciate it and always you know you can follow us on spotify or subscribe on apple Podcasts as well but daniel puts tons of work into the video production of the show and it's always i think more enjoyable to get the visual elements with the storytelling and youtube is a place to do it obviously you can also watch on spotify Lastly, if you haven't picked up your cryptid merch from our last collection, there is only two items left from that with limited sizing. That is the Jersey Devil and the Black Shuck, which Austin is wearing today. So go pick it up while you can, because as soon as those are sold out, that is the end of the cryptid collection, and it's never coming back again. 
And thanks to everybody out there who picked up merch. We really appreciate it. It helps keep this show going as we trudge our way to the next tier of Lights Out. But with that being said, buckle up, sit down, and let's get into the Blue Moon Murders. Today, our story takes place in Escambia County, Florida, which might be best known for its sheer amount of strange murders through the decades. This county has seen the Black Widow murders, the Billings murders, and it's also the place where the infamous serial killer Ted Bundy was finally captured. The county sheriff once called this region the Twilight Zone Vortex. And by 2015, Escambia locals thought they had seen it all, up until the three Smith family members were found brutally murdered on the day of an ominous blue moon, and the one and only suspect was soon accused of an occult ritual killing. In 2015, the Smith family lived in Pensacola, Florida. 77-year-old Von Seal, a widowed and retired mother of three, lived with her sons, 49-year-old Richard Smith and 47-year-old John Smith. Richard worked as a computer specialist team member for the Department of Homeland Security at the Pensacola Naval Air Station in their crypto division. He had a high clearance position dealing with code words and other aspects that couldn't be disclosed to the public. Meanwhile, his brother John worked at the local Walmart. The two men also had a half-brother, 58-year-old Donald Wayne Hartung, who worked for G4S Security at a hospital in Pensacola. They all shared the same mother, but Donald had a different father. Donald didn't live in the house with them, but he lived a few miles down the road. The neighbors never heard much from the Smith family, as they were usually quiet and kept to themselves. But for a few days, their house had been extra quiet. Anyone in the neighborhood that turned on the local radio or TV news that week would know that on Friday, July 31st, 2015, there was going to be a blue moon in the sky. A big part of this case surrounds this blue moon, or I could say the blue moon surrounds this case. Mm. So I'll give you a quick rundown of it. The moon generally takes about 29 days to go through a full cycle. If you look up in the sky, you see a full moon. You won't see another one until roughly 29 days later. In an entire year, we witness about 12 full moons. But since each month is only about 30 or 31 days long, it doesn't always add up with the months. So sometimes we get a 13th full moon in a year, meaning that two full moons are seen in one month. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay, so that second moon is what we call a blue moon. In uh, some pagan cultures, it's even called a black moon. Some modern magical traditions have connected the blue moon with a surge in knowledge and wisdom. Others see it as a time of this like heightened clarity or a strong connection with the divine. So it's generally dated back. It's kind of just seen as this heightened spiritual, possibly heightened supernatural energy around a blue moon. Many believe that the spirit communication during this time is also heightened and mystical energies are boosted. So, for example, if you're using a Ouija board, possibly you might get more connections out of it than you would if you're using it under a blue moon. So this kind of set the scene for the Smith family murder. So that day, a call came into the Pensacola Police Department. The caller was one of Richard's coworkers at Homeland Security. They requested a welfare check at 4605 Deerfield Drive, as Richard hadn't shown up for work for a couple of days and no one had heard from him. 
It wasn't like him to skip work because he was dedicated to his job. It was very important. And he hadn't answered the phone or returned any of their messages. And since he worked in a high clearance position for Homeland Security, some thought that there might have been something suspicious going on. Because as you can imagine, you know, if you work in a high clearance position like that, there might be people out there who want to know what you you know, right? And so there's always a possibility that foul play might fall to those people. So police get the welfare check call and they arrive at the Smith household and they noticed a RAV4 and a Highlander in the driveway. They ran the plates and they confirmed that they were Richard and Von Seal's vehicles. The younger brother, John, didn't have a car, so Richard always drove him to work. Von Seal didn't trust John driving for himself and once said he was a little slow. The family knew that John had intellectual disabilities. Since the cars were in the driveway, police figured people were home at first, but they noticed a few packages piled up at the front porch. After knocking several times and waiting, there was no answer, so they decided to call the closest family contact, Donald Hartung, and he gave them permission to enter the home. The scene they discovered inside would get added to the long list of bizarre crimes in Escambia County. They first noticed that the house was an absolute mess and the entire place reeked. Boxes, furniture, and trash filled the rooms and massive piles of clothes were scattered everywhere. It looked like a classic case of hoarding. Supposedly, Von Seal watched the shopping channel QVC and bought something almost every day. But as they rummaged through the rooms, one of the officers noticed something odd about one of the piles of clothing. A human foot was sticking out from beneath a few t-shirts and underwear. When they dug through the mess, they found the bodies of Von Seal, Richard, and John, each buried underneath their separate piles of clothing. When the medical examiner arrived, they slowly peeled off the layers. All of the victims showed signs of blunt force trauma to the head and their throats had been slashed. Von Seal was killed in the living room where she always watched TV. She showed defensive cuts on her hands and part of her pinky finger was missing. John was killed on the couch in the same room and Richard had also been stabbed and suffered from a bullet wound that entered the right ear and exited the neck. The examiner believed that they had all been dead since Tuesday the 28th. It was clear the family had been murdered in cold blood. The investigation was led by Escambia County homicide detective Matt Infinger. When they checked the rest of the property, there were no signs of forced entry. Only a single fence gate in the backyard had been left open. There were no signs of a robbery since the house's valuables were still inside. Plus, they discovered a safe still filled with cash. So they immediately began searching every inch of the home. It was only a one-story ranch, but it was such a mess, it took investigators five days to go through everything. They discovered bloody paper towels in the trash, along with a bloody claw hammer they believed was one of the murder weapons. And a few stray cigarette butts were also collected at the scene for potential DNA evidence. In the meantime, they contacted family members, neighbors, and coworkers of the victims, and they all agreed that the Smiths rarely left the house. Some neighbors who lived on Deerfield Drive for years had never even met the family. Besides going to work and grocery shopping, they spent most of their time inside their home. And after Von Seal's husband Richard had passed away in 2012, she almost never left the house. She also experienced a nervous breakdown after once shooting a peeping Tom, which also affected her ability to go outside. As for John, he didn't socialize much outside of work and spent a lot of his free time watching TV in the family den. Richard also socialized mostly at work, and the rest of the time he spent supporting his family, driving them to doctor's appointments, and cooking them food. Since the family was so isolated, the murders seemed intentional. 
Investigators didn't believe it was a random act of violence, especially because there was no signs of a break-in, and the victims were covered with clothing. When the faces of the victims are covered by the killer, it suggests the murderer was most likely a family member that covered them out of remorse. But some investigators thought that the burial in piles of clothing, along with the timing of the blue moon, meant something else was going on. The public would soon be shocked to hear Sheriff David Morgan's theory for the motivations behind these heinous murders. Uh, the method uh, of the murder, uh, blunt force trauma, slit throats, positions of bodies, uh, and then our person of interest uh, has some ties to a a faith and or religion that is indicative of that. The time of death, we believe, on Tuesday also coincides uh, with what's referred to as a blue moon, which occurs every three years. It's uh, witchcraft. I'll, I'll say that right now. So that's a pretty bold claim, and he's fairly confident about that as well. So I think it's important to break down what is a ritual killing. So for a ritual killing to exist, the murderer has to be connected to some form of belief system like a religion or faith or something along those lines. The common ones that are talked about in the media, you know, you usually hear Satanism or vampirism. Devil worshipping, something like that. something exactly like that. But they've honestly, ritual killings have occurred across many different religions all over the world, um, including major religions. So there's not really, you can't boil it down to one. And besides that, there's also typically a connection to cultural, psychological, psychosexual elements. Some of the most telling signs, though, of a ritual killing is that there's typically a special positioning of the body or some sort of mutilation that's very particular. It's like removing a victim's heart. That's usually one big sign. Carving symbols, some sort of insignias, whether those are religious or whatnot. Um, So those are good signs of... Hallmark of a ritual killing is something like uh, bite marks. That would be vampirism, um, excessive violence, sexual assault. Those are also indicative of a ritual killing. In this case, investigators believed that it was the positioning of the bodies beneath the piles of clothing that set them off, as well as the timing of the blue moon. And we'll see that their theory is kind of like they wanted to cover the bodies to keep them warm until the blue moon had come and gone. So that was the idea, at least at first. So we'll see later how pieces of evidence will also suggest there's some connection to a belief system. Many ritual killings are hard to investigate because they're typically secret. You know, that's kind of the whole point is that it's this private thing that usually only a small sect is doing. So, Investigating those as ritual killings is extremely hard. But the goals for a killer to perform a ritual killing is usually to transform, self-deify, sometimes to heal. Other times they're just meant to please a higher power. Um, But also on the flip side of that coin, sometimes people say that ritual killings are generally just used as a justification for killing, that they're They don't actually believe in this thing. They just kind of need to feed themselves that lie so they can justify doing something heinous. It seems a little brazen for the sheriff to just come out and say right off the bat when before the investigation's even been completely done that this was 
it appears to be witchcraft, right? Because that's a that's a very broad term, first of all, and a term that, if you really know what witchcraft is, has no connection to killing at all. Yeah, he clearly didn't do his research. Right? It's like it's just the classic stereotype, right? That most most people that don't understand the Wicca or you know people who are self proclaimed witches and and what they actually do and you know to just throw all those people under the bus and be like oh yeah it's witchcraft you know he's he's, you know thinking of it as like an evil witch from a movie or something like that where they're like cooking up human body parts and stuff like that it does play into like a hollywood type of narrative which is very dangerous to to do right yeah and it just terrifies the town as well it just reminds me of like the you know the satanic panic Yep. And that whole thing. It's kind of the same, same deal of like, you know, they all are devil worshipers, you know, they all worship Satan. So therefore, or they idolize Satan or Satan is their deity. And so therefore they're devil, evil devil worshipers. And, yeah. And that's, you know, in many cases going to be farther from the truth. You know, if you really understand Satanism and plus again, you're, you're taking a broad term and, and assigning this heinous, heinous act to it when there's so many different sections and, and branches same as christianity you know you've got you've got your normal practitioners and then you've got your extremists right and so to just it's i feel that it was very irresponsible for the sheriff to say what he did yeah and we'll dive into wicca a little bit later but yeah it's it's basically the equivalent of just saying that this group who we have locals here and we're just going to ostracize them and now demonize them and they're doing something incredibly horrific which completely discounts the sheriff's department investigative skills, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's just like, yeah, that's a little, uh, yeah, makes you look bad, I guess, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. There is one app on my phone that I use absolutely every single day. And that app is Rocket Money. I'm a huge fan of Rocket Money. I've actually been using them for the last couple of years. Even before they were Rocket Money, I used used them under their previous name, but Rocket Money has saved me so much money over the years, especially when it comes to subscriptions. It feels like every day I'm signing up for a new subscription, whether it's streaming services, you know, go watch a single show, and then I forget to cancel it, and then my credit card's just being charged, and I completely lose track of it. I know that happens for many of us. Rocket Money is here to save the day because it will save you not only money, but so much valuable time. For me, one of the things I don't want to do is spend the time to go call and cancel subscription or try to hunt down how to do that online. It's one click and they go and cancel it for you. It's that easy. But Rocket Money is more than just an app that cancels subscriptions for you. It also monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Seriously, if you're not using Rocket Money, Go download it right now, create an account, and see how it can save you hundreds of dollars. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash lights out. That's rocketmoney.com slash lights out. Give it a try today at rocketmoney.com slash lights out. So one of the first and most obvious suspects was Von Seal's son, Donald Hartung. He only lived three miles from his mother and half-brothers, and at the time he worked the 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift as a security guard. Every day except Mondays and Tuesdays, he had one son named Donald Jr. 
But after the divorce from his wife, he rarely had a relationship with either of them. He often visited his mother and half-brothers about once a week. He would often cook dinner for the family every Tuesday, and he was reportedly last over at the house on the afternoon of Tuesday, July 28th. Apparently, he watched some TV with his mother, and then around 4 p.m., he cooked dinner. When police brought him in for questioning, because obviously they want to talk to him, he said he left their home around 6 p.m. before Richard got back from work. So there's tons and tons of interrogation footage out there on YouTube. We tried to compile some of the highlights of this because this is uh, almost too weird to even believe it's real. All right. Um, when was the last time you saw your family? Tuesday. I went over. I always go over on Tuesday to take my dog and let her run. I went over there about, I went a little earlier than usual. Sometimes I don't go over to about three. But I went over a little bit earlier and I got there probably about one or one thirty, and uh, I stayed pretty much out in the yard playing with the dogs, go in, talk to mom, watch television together. She loves QVC. She watches it all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she puts it on the news, you know, and, and I fix dinner for them every Tuesday. And uh, I made dinner. And What'd we, you make? Uh, fried, fried chicken. Oh. Uh, see oh 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 we john always picks out what we eat and i cook it when i get there so we had fried chicken green bean corn and biscuits and french fries okay is there any leftovers or anything well yeah i always put our teas in the stove i always put his in the stove his is always in the stove when he gets home from work because he don't sometimes he don't get in until eight nine o'clock oh okay um, and RT is Richard? That's Richard Thomas. Okay. Yeah, he's the one that works out at the base. He works long hours out there. Gotcha. Now, was he there when you were there Tuesday? No, I never saw RT. I always leave before he, well, not always, but most of the time I leave before he gets home. Okay. What's the house, what's the condition of the house inside? Well... Used to be a lot better than it than it is now because mom ain't able to take care of it. But it, it's it's pretty nice in there. She keeps it pretty neat. It's not like doesn't look like a hoarder lives in there or anything. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. Well, now it might look like a hoarder lives in there because mama she's like constantly getting stuff from QVC, so she's got clothes hanging. Since I know the case, yeah, she had like clothes hanging in between the three lies. This the, guy uh, said. Where the TV is, and where the table is, thing. and the kitchen, and they're in the doorways, and, and so there's then, a lot of stuff in the house. There's a lot of stuff in the house. Mama gets QVC. She orders something just about every day. Okay. Where does she get all the money to do that? Well, I don't know where she gets all the money to do that. I reckon it's from my dad's retirement. Okay. What did he do? He was in the Navy for twenty years. Okay. And he retired from the Navy, and then he worked for the Civil Service for 22 years. And then he retired from the Civil Service. And then he worked out on the base at NAS, at at the fuel farm. Mm -hmm. And he stayed out there about 16 years until he had Parkinson's. Oh, okay. And he got to where he couldn't drive no more, so they, you know, sheriff's deputies followed him home one day. They thought he was drunk. Oh, really? Yeah, he was getting bad. Mm. So they, RT and Mama, got together and John and me and we decided you know it was time for daddy to retire 
I got you. Um, but as far as I know, that's just my dad. Just my dad's retirement. That's all I know. I got you. Um, what time after you cook dinner? Did you clean up, or what do you usually do? Yeah, do I always dishes or whatever. I always help John do the dishes. We put them in the in the we put the pots in the sink and we put the plates in the dishwasher, and then I always help him do the wash, wash the clothes. Did y'all wash clothes that night? Yeah, and then we put them away. Where, whose clothes did y'all wash? Your mom's and everybody's. Okay. Yeah, every, everybody. Did you bring your clothes over there and wash them? No, I wash my clothes at my house. Oh, okay. All right. So y'all did clothes laundry and put up the laundry? We did laundry and put away the laundry. And about we what, ate. About what time did y'all eat? Probably about. Probably about three thirty, four o'clock. Probably about four, somewhere right in there. Okay. So you all ate an early dinner. Oh yeah, we always did. Oh okay. Yeah. And y'all had fried chicken, green beans, bis- corn, corn biscuits, and French fries. That's right. Great dinner. Good. Wow. Well, I do all the I do all the cooking when You're I go a good over. Cook. Well, when it comes to cooking stuff like that, I am. Okay. <laughs> I know how to do that. Okay. I've got he my mom's recipes. She wrote every one of them out for me. I've got them handwritten at the house. So I, that's where I learned to cook from my mama. I got you. Um, Very wholesome. Yeah, it sounds like a great son. Does their what laundry cook? What time cooks. Did you leave, you think? Well, I usually stay and watch the news with mama and leave after that. When you watch the 5 o'clock news? Yeah. 5.30 news? 6 right. o'clock? Which one? The, the well, normally we watch the national news at five thirty. At five thirty, and then I leave right after that, and that's about what time I left was between I say between five thirty and six, right in there. Okay, where'd you go after that? Home. Okay. I like this detective. Yeah, he's, I think he's doing no a pretty bullshit. good job, and you can just tell he doesn't believe a fucking word this yeah. guy's saying. Yep. Um, did they tell you how your your folks, your family over there, was killed? killed they said they were deceased and, and they never told me how they were killed they're dead uh, and it looks like they were killed killed mm-hmm. uh, how were they killed it looked like they were shot shot mm-hmm. how was that well it looked like they were shot it's hard to tell because there was a lot of clothes on top of them. Clothes on top of them. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Were, were they robbed? Or? I don't think so. It just looks like somebody just came in and shot them. Yeah, it looks like somebody knew them. Whoever did it. Well, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that they that they know. No. Could have been anybody. Were they having problems with anybody? Was John having problems with anybody or RT? Not not recently. Not that I know of. Were you having problems with them at all? No. I haven't had any problems with them. Well, we're not having any problems. So something didn't happen when you were over there Tuesday night and you killed them? No. Nothing happened. 
Are you sure? Yes. Because if something happened, now's the time to tell me. I would not kill my mother and my brothers. Okay. I mean, why would I do something like that? I don't know. I don't know you. Well, that's, I understand that. I know that's true. But I wouldn't do something like that. I'd never harm my family. Let me ask you this. Do you have a key to the house? I sure don't. Why not? Well, I don't know. They just never give me one. I don't reckon they figured there was any need to. I got you. When was the last time? So the last time you were at that house was Tuesday. Tuesday. Always on Tuesday. That's when I always go over there. Every Tuesday. Why would why would somebody go in there and kill your mom and your two brothers and put clothes over them like that? I don't know. And they've been in there a while. Put clothes over them? Yeah, like pile stuff on top of them. I have no idea. I have no earthly idea. Tell you, to me, it seems like somebody that would do something like that would have known them or either been family because they didn't want to see them after they were dead and put stuff all over them. Does that make sense to you? That makes sense to me, but as far as I know, I'm the only family they got. I mean, other than distant relatives that live over in Mobile. Y'all don't have any other family that lives here? No. No, that's all I've got my family, my, my mom and my brothers. How about that reaction to hearing that his whole family's been killed? Terrible acting. Just like... He's like, what? Yeah. It was like, oh my god, dude. You couldn't be any more obvious. Like, yeah. You didn't even like attempt to be upset or... Yeah. Not a shred of like, emotion. Put his hands or his face in his hands. Yeah. And pretend to cry. Or he's just like, huh? The only thing he did to act, which I think he's acting, he's just like kind of adjusted himself yeah, adjusted in his chair. Like, and that's I think it. he said something like, oh my God, or something like that. Yeah. And you didn't have anything to do with that? No, sir. I didn't. I would never harm anybody in my family. I love my mother and I love my brothers. I love my dad just like if he was my, my own father. I mean, my real father. He was my own father. I would never harm my family. Never. Could never harm my mother. Or my brothers. Did you get jealous because they're all living there with your mom and maybe feeling left out since you live over there by yourself? <laughs> no. I've been over there for 15 years. I love my house. I love my place. Is that your house you own it? No, I don't. I rent it, but I've been mm -hmm. renting it for 15 years. I got you. It's low rent. I mean, you know, it's, it's not real expensive. And uh, I take good care of it, keep it painted and everything. Do the, I mean, on the inside, I do all the inside stuff. Another smart question. And, uh, do you own your house? No, yeah. I wasn't jealous Another of that at all. Question. I don't, care. Nothing, mm -hmm. I, I don't want nothing to do with that house. <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with that house at all. Why? Because my mom's died in there. See his foot starting to twitch a little bit. Mm -hmm. He's definitely getting a little nervous there. Yep. It's a little hard for me to believe because your mother's pretty much the only family you got. Yes. And 
you've shown no emotion the whole time you've been in here. And you've known that they've been dead. I mean, it's like you almost prepared yourself for this. You've had days to prepare, prepare yourself for this. So I'll, 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 I'll show plenty of emotion when the time's right. Hmm? Well, why would they be covered up with, like, this much clothes put on top of them? I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, it makes no sense for somebody to come in there, a total stranger, and to kill them the way that they were killed and put that much stuff on top of them. It makes no sense whatsoever. Whoever did this... It makes no sense for me to go in there and do something like that either. Why? You yeah, know why? Them. You know them. Of course I know them. I love them. That's my family. Exactly. And you couldn't stand the thought of sitting there seeing them after you killed them, so you put this stuff over them. Now, the question is, why would you kill them? I have no reason to kill my family. I've been, I've, I've been going over there for years and years and years. Why would I kill my mother? Why would I kill my brother? Why would I kill my own family? Why wouldn't you? You have no Because I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy. Do you take any medication? No. I don't take no medication at all. I'm not on any kind of medication. Hmm. Why would somebody want to kill your family? I'm not that close. I don't know. I don't know what was going on in their lives. Did you hear that? I go over there I'm and not see that close. We just sit there and chit chat about what's going on. You know, as far as, you know, RT done this or John done that or what did you do? And, you know, is everything all right? And then watch the news. I go outside, play with the dog, son. Uh, I come back in. I, I fix dinner. We would eat together. I'd help do the dishes. I'd help put away some of the clothes. Me and John would do clothes together, and I'd have to put them away, and then I, you know, I would usually leave. That sounds like somebody who's very close with their family. <laughs> and yeah. he just contradicts them. So. Yeah. I, that, that one slip up, too. Yeah. I'm not that close. And then he stops himself. Did your brother kill your mother and you kill him? No. I, I don't know nothing about this. This is the first time I've ever heard any of this stuff. You're talking about they was dead? Shot? Yeah. I don't know nothing about it. You mean you're going to come in here and tell me you got three people dead in a house? Yes. You're going to come in here. You were the last one to see them. You're going to come the, in I here and tell me that you didn't kill them and you're sitting there and I've told you that your mom was shot and drugged to her bedroom and you're going to sit here and not show any emotion whatsoever? I've got emotion, sir. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Now, you killed these people. You killed your family. No, I didn't. Why? I did not kill my family. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. How can you sit there and have no remorse about what's happened? Show no remorse. Emotion. But right now, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like I'm being accused of something here. That I, I am do. accusing you of doing it. I think you did it. I did not do it. Why would I do it? Why would I kill my own family? Get some money. Who knows? Get some money. I could. Mama would have given me any money I wanted. If I'd have, if I'd have needed money, I would have asked Mama for it. And she'd have just given it to you. Well, sure she would have. 
Has she done that before in the past? Yeah, many times. How much has she given you? Lord, I couldn't say for sure. I guess. Oh, well, she helped me get my air conditioner fixed on my car. Why would I do it? Why would I kill my mother and my brothers when I've been living down here Because they're not your real brothers. And they're over there living with you. They were just like my real brother. Probably getting whatever they wanted. Maybe you did get money from your mom before. Maybe they talked her into cutting you off. You got pissed off and went over there and killed them. Well, now that makes good sense, but it ain't true. That makes real good sense. (laughs) That's basically admitting that. My brother's. Let me tell you something. Or my mother. If somebody, if I was sitting where you are, and somebody was talking to me and saying you killed your your mom and your brothers, I'd tell them to go fuck off. I'd be mad as fuck. Well, I know better. And you're sitting over there, and you haven't shed one tear, hadn't said nothing, hadn't got mad, shown no emotion about none of this. And you expect me to sit here and believe you didn't kill those people? I sure do, because I didn't. Well, I don't. And I'm not going to attack some sheriff's deputy because my mother has been killed. So I know you didn't do it. No. I didn't know you or your family till today. That's right. And now I have to sit here and try and figure out who killed your mother and your two brothers. Yes, you do, and I hope you do it soon. Well, I promise you this, I'm going to find out. I know you will. If you did it, I'm going to find out and I'm going to put your ass in jail. I would not harm my family, sir, for nothing in this world. That's probably one of the better police interrogations I've seen. Yeah, that was the the lead investigator. County homicide detective Matt Infinger. I like how he he ropes it back to the money because he's kind of, I think he's smart and following that breadcrumb, um, you know, cause motive is obviously a big thing. And then he does a lot of repetition of questions, which is to catch people in lies. That's another tactic, I know. but yeah, he's good. And he didn't ramp it up until like that last clip we saw was already some, like it's like two yeah, and a half hours in long, the, long interrogation. That was just a few clips from it. Yeah. But he, he definitely starts establishing motive for, for these murders that, and not only that, you know, Donald's whole plan is to go in there, act like I have no idea what's going on, and you know, I'm I'm this great brother of theirs, and I'm I love my mom, I take care of my family, I'm close with them. I go over there. I mean, if you're going over to see your family every Tuesday, that's I would categorize that as a close family member. I mean, that's. Yeah, you know, like you spend a lot of time with them every single week, and you help them out. You have the kindness of your heart. You're you're helping around the house, and and then he he has that slip up, like we mentioned. He's like, we're not that close, yeah. so I don't know if there's somebody, you know, something going on in there. Yeah, so it's like, hmm, something doesn't add up here, man. Something's a little sketchy for sure. So they end up asking Donald for a DNA sample, which I really think this is like the downfall right here. Is he gives that DNA sample? And when they asked to search his home, Donald also agrees. Because, of course, he's trying to avoid suspicion by being cooperative with police, right? He's thinking in his mind, if I just act like I, 
I'm clueless and I'm cooperative, then they're not going to suspect me, which is just uh, completely false. So they got a warrant to search his home. And when they search his home, they were very surprised to find an entire room dedicated to prayer and seances. There was religious artifacts and artwork that covered the room, glass wands, dead flowers, herbs, an altar with a Ouija board on it, Wiccan pentagrams, and ceremonial knives. So I think we should dive into Wicca a little bit, do them some justice here. A lot of the information I'm pulling from is from Helen A. Berger, who was a resident scholar at Brandeis University's Women's Studies Research Center, who has personally studied Wicca for about 30 years. Just a very brief history. Wicca began in the UK in the 1940s. Um, It arrived sometime in the US in the 1960s. Its members call themselves witches, regardless of gender. I was surprised to hear this, that 800,000 Americans practice Wicca to some degree, and it even continues to grow. That's a huge number that I did not suspect. It focuses on yearly cycles, has rituals known as sabbats that celebrate the beginning of each new season. They have one main rule, above all else, harm none and do as you will. And there's no single religious text that they draw up a lease from. Most Wiccans practice magic, which they believe taps into a spirit world, often called the other world. Others think magic draws on an energy field they view as it's just surrounding all of us. And as far as I could find, any type of Wiccan sacrifice, like drinking goat's blood or killing chickens, is just extremely rare, typically only done by outliers. Mostly sacrifices are not a practice that Wiccans take part in. Yeah, and, and I mean I've I've dove into Wicca a little bit, you know, over the course of the show, and I know we have a number of uh, of witches and um, Wiccans that that follow the show, and I'm sure some of you will chime in on this episode, especially to enlighten those that uh, feel otherwise about witches and you know witchcraft and things like that, because so many people just have the complete wrong idea. Uh, about what Wicca is all about. I mean, from the way I understand it, it's it's obviously a belief in magic and a belief in in nature and how it's all connected. The the spiritual realm and the other side are all connected through um, this magic that surrounds all of us. So it's kind of using it's doing these rituals in order to tap into that to to help make your life better and make those of you around you know their lives better. And it's a it's a very very peaceful religion or spiritual practice there's as far as i know there's no violence at all anywhere in any of the wiccan texts and any sort of practice um in modern times i think some of the 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 sacrificing of of animals and things like that stems from long long ago or like you said outliers of you know people who are you know starting with wicca and then kind of going in an offshoot or creating their own offshoot religion um so it's very important to especially with this case to understand that it is a totally peaceful practice and that it involved, there's no mention of ritual killings or anything like that anywhere. So a woman named Susie Raindove Smith, who's a high priestess of a local Wiccan group in Florida said the victims were not associated with any of the area's pagan or Wiccan organizations. Susie also made a video telling the sheriff who you saw earlier, call out Wiccans or witches 
saying that he needed to take back his accusations that the killings were a Wiccan blood sacrifice. His accusation was based on a deputy's quick reading of a since-debunked website about witchcraft conspiracy theories, which, you know, you can only imagine where that, that road leads. Later, the public also noticed that he had made these accusations when he held his first fundraiser for his re-election campaign. Because obviously there's a lot of people, you know, in opposing face that feel a certain type of way about witchcraft. So if he goes hard against them, that makes him look look better in their eyes right yeah and just to get that tv just his face on tv totally. saying something crazy so right? catchy Good to be friends. like you know it's kind of a buzzword in yeah a way. so the sheriff ended up winning re-election which potentially what he said about this case and just this case in general may have helped him secure that that, that position again but after finding the wiccan prayer room police soon brought donald back in for questioning because of course they had a lot of questions for him so here's a few more clips from that second round of questioning. At your house, another investigator was telling me about it, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, I guess you have a Ouija board and some stuff in your house? Yeah, I do have a Ouija board. I have a prayer room. Are you, do you, are you a Wiccan? Or? Yeah, I'm a Wiccan. You are? I've been a Wiccan for about three years. Have you? Yeah. What is that? It's a pagan religion. It's based on uh, nature. What? I'm not familiar with it. Can you explain it a little bit more for me? Well, you celebrate different seasonal times, like seasonal changes. Yeah, like 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 different holidays. You know, like when autumn equinox, and spring equinox, and stuff like that. Does it's a very old religion. Yeah. Does it have to do with, like, uh, moon phases and stuff like that? Yes, it does. Okay. It has a lot to do with moon phases. Like what? Well, it's just certain times when you have Sabbaths and stuff like that. What is a Sabbath? Sabbath is, is a, a worship ceremony uh -huh. that you hold. And what does that consist of? Oh, prayers. Mostly prayers. It's usually done in a circle. And you just thank the God and the goddess for, you know, for providing for you and keeping you safe. How'd you get in? I saw a movie, got me interested in it. So I went up there to uh, Books a Million and I bought a book on it. Uh, you know, is it just like a single thing or is there a group? No, no, it's um, a it's solitary thing. It's not a group. Does your mom or brother do it also? Or is no. It no. Didn't, are they aware Mama would have probably had a fit if she knew that I was. Really? I didn't go around telling people that I was doing Wiccan. You so know? they weren't aware of that? No. Did they ever come over to your house? No. That, that Wiccan stuff, um, and these ceremonies or whatever you do, do you have anything like sacrifices or anything? No. No, there's no sacrifices in Wicca. Really? No. The Wiccan read is in it harm none to as you please. That's the Wiccan read. That's the basis of Wicca. But what if you're having one of these uh, services or whatever that you're talking about? Or these seasonal like a Sabbath? Changes? Yeah. Or an SBAT? Yeah. That's just a, a ceremonial thing. It's it's no bobbing, not you know, killing anything 
or harming anything. Well, I did some reading up on it. You do the you do the four points: the north, the east, the south, and the west. And uh, <clears throat> those are the four cardinal points. Then you call the elements to come and to assist you, and then you pray to the God and the goddess, and that's about it. What are these elements? Earth, air, fire, and water. Hmm. I did some reading on it before I talked to you about it. And then some of these wicked things, uh, like especially this time of the year, in June, July, and August, or July and August, when there's two, two full moons, Sometimes they'll uh, offer a sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't offer sacrifices ever. <laughs> well, it described it the way that... It's a blue moon. It's a blue moon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's very, very rare. Yeah. Very rare time of the year. Last time it happened was how long ago? Oh, I don't know. Three years ago? Well, it wasn't too long ago. I don't remember hearing about it on the radio. But I couldn't tell you exactly when it was. Well, it's kind of interesting what they do. They drain the blood out of their sacrifice and hit them in the head. I don't know and anything they about cover that. Them. Then they cover them to keep them warm. I don't know anything about that. I mean, I, I've never sacrificed. I, I wouldn't hurt a chicken. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hurt nothing. I would never hurt an animal. Well, what's ironic about all this is that's the same way your family was killed. That's the same way my family was killed. Mm-hmm. They were shot in the head, right? No. How were they killed? I just explained it to you. Tell me again, please. They were what? Why don't you tell me what you did to them? I didn't do anything to my family. Yeah, sir. you did. We're not going to go through that again. You did, okay? No, sir. I've been over to the house. I've looked at everything. You went over there, and you killed your mother, and you killed your brother, and then you waited, and RT got home, and you killed him. Okay? No, sir. And you killed them all the same way. Stabbing them. Stabbing them? They were stabbed? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I thought you said they were shot in the head. I did tell like you that's that better. last time. Yeah, right? I don't do animal sacrifices, and I sure didn't sacrifice my family. If you think wicked got something to do with it, if you're way out there, I, I would never hurt anything. Never. I sure wouldn't. Have you been in your right frame of mind lately? Yeah. I've been in my right frame of mind lately. I can't, I mean, as far as I know I have, I mean, I do the same thing I always do. I haven't done anything any different. Mm -hmm. So don't you think it's pretty much a coincidence that you're a Wiccan and your family's killed like a Wiccan sacrifice? I don't know anything about Wiccan sacrifices. I don't know a thing about anything like that. If you know about the blue moon and all that kind of stuff you do. 
Well, I know about the blue moon. I know it's two new, uh, full moon, but I mean, it's been all over the radio. I never hear it on the radio. I listen to the radio every day, all day. Have you ever heard about that on the radio? I just ran across on there. That's the only way I know. Yeah, it's been on the radio. I listen, I don't, the only thing I listen to is talk shows. That's the main thing I listen to. And the only time I listen to them is when I'm at, when I'm at work. So you can kind of start to see where, you know, sort of the name, the blue moon murders comes from, you know, the media created that as a result of what, um, police said. And it's very clear. The police are very confused about Wicca as a whole. Yeah. And they're obviously not getting their information from reputable sources when it comes to actually describing because, and this is the sad thing that happens a lot of times is the, the art of, I guess I shouldn't call it an art, the, the heinous acts of devil worshiping where, you know, that involve ritual murders. And we've covered a, a few, few cases like that over the years here on lights out get confused with Wicca because one of the things in the house is they find a pentagram, right? Or it's, it's actually a pentacle because a right. pentagram with a circle drawn around it is a pentacle, which is a Wiccan symbol. And oftentimes if you don't understand, you know, I know I certainly did for a long time, especially growing up, um, at, you know, in the Christian church is like either way it's, it's an evil symbol and it's, you know, it's only used for evil, but oftentimes it gets confused as, you know, a symbol used by Satanists or devil worshipers because they sort of took the symbol, inverted the pentagram and then called it their own. And so if you're not well versed in, you know, the different symbols and what they mean, it'd be very easy to confuse it as like the, seeing this evil symbol within his house. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, aren't the five points in Wiccan. It's like the elements. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And then, uh, one of them's like spirit or something like that. Um, but yeah, you can kind of see in the second wave interrogation, they're just kind of, they lost track a little bit mm -hmm. and they're really reaching for the, the human sacrifice line of thought. But that's just really, I don't know. It's just not there. No, they're, they're trying to push that direction for some reason when really it's irrelevant to the murders themselves. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know why they go so hard on that angle. I wonder if the sheriff maybe put pressure on it because he's like, oh, these are ritual killings. So they tried to double down. Yeah, or it kind of like seems that. like maybe they're just trying to cover for him so yeah. he doesn't look bad and that they end up proving that that's, that was the motive behind the murders is that these are ritualistic murders. But yeah, really, I mean, it really seems like they're reaching to, to make that connection. Because I mean, obviously not all of the police necessarily thought this. I mean, depending on your level of knowledge in, in the occult and, and Wicca and and all of that, I mean, you're going to come up with different conclusions, but they heard through other family members that Von Seal hated the fact that Donald practiced Wicca because she was a devout Christian, which that makes sense. At the time, police suspected Donald must have killed his family, but they had no solid evidence at that point, so they had to let him go. In the meantime, neighbors were terrified that there was a maniac on the loose. The media took what the sheriff had released during the press conference and ran with the theory that the murders were ritual killings committed in the name of witchcraft. Donald had always tried to frame himself as the caretaker of the Smiths. And as far as the police could tell, Donald was cooperating with the investigation. But a relative of the Smith family told police that Donald had a rough relationship with the Smiths over the years. 
and that he had a much darker side to him. Faye Hawes, Donald's cousin, told police, quote, Donald was mean. If he saw weakness in you as a child or something, he would pick on that weakness. She also mentioned that Donald didn't cry at all during the funerals or the burials of his mother and half-brothers. No one had seen him grieve at all. Which, I will say, everybody grieves differently. And I've seen cases where family members had nothing to do with the deaths of their loved ones and they just... They don't, they're not emotional. Yeah. Or maybe they don't show that emotion in public where he also, sees it. yeah, he lives alone. So that's another part of it, possibly. So just because you don't grieve or show emotion doesn't necessarily mean you're guilty of, of murder or something like that. Right. But for the most part, I think most people would expect to see some level of emotion. Yeah. He seems very just like nonchalant, not concerned. Just kind of like it it's, comes across as acting to me. At least mm-hmm. it seems like he's putting on an act. Yeah, and he's had you know he's had days to prepare at this right, rate. Right, that's important to know. Others said that Donald had always been jealous of Richard after he got the job at the Department of Homeland Security because it kind of seems like they're almost in the same field to some extent. Like Donald wished he had a higher paying job and more prestige you know he's just a security guard meanwhile his brothers you know getting more praise and accolades he's got a very important job so it seems like that's definitely going on but it took about two months to compile all the evidence against donald one of the biggest eyewitnesses was the neighbor george chittenden who lived across the street from the smith family deerfield drive was a loop that only had one way in and one way out george constantly watched the street all day And the first thing he noticed on Tuesday, July 28th, was that Donald didn't have his dog with him. Every other Tuesday, Donald always brought his dog along to play in the backyard. But for some reason, that Tuesday he didn't. The neighbor also claimed that Donald left the house after Richard got home. Richard had even left work until 6.30, but Donald originally claimed he left the house around 5.30 or 6, and the sun was still up. But the neighbor saw him leave after it was starting to get dark and he kept his headlights off like he didn't want anyone to see him driving down Deerfield Drive. Definitely suspicious. The investigators also connected him to the crime scene after analyzing his DNA, which DNA doesn't lie. It seemed obvious that his DNA would be at the house though, since again, he was there every Tuesday, so not completely surprising that they found his DNA there. But his DNA was discovered in areas of the home where he shouldn't have been. One of the most suspicious places was inside Richard's belt on the zipper of his notebook case and his checkbook, especially since Donald claimed he wasn't at the home when Richard got there. Plus, investigators realized that whoever committed the crime cleaned up a few bloody items and threw them in the indoor trash can. And guess what they found on top of them? Donald's DNA on those cigarette butts. They had been thrown on top of the bloody paper towels covered in Von Seal's blood meaning the most likely scenario is that whoever threw out those cigarette butts also threw out the bloody trash. During the investigation, one of Donald's co-workers mentioned that he bragged about being the inheritor of a small fortune that his mother Von Seal had saved. Investigators soon discovered that her estate was worth around $900,000. Bingo. And several years later, Von Seal took him out of the will. But the document also noted that Donald would become the sole heir if Von Seal and Donald's half-brothers were deceased. Of course, Donald defended himself and said he knew nothing about the money or the will, but after police gathered enough evidence, they arrested him just before Halloween on October 27, 2015, and they charged him with three counts of premeditated murder. 
Throughout the entire investigation, the police never investigated any other suspect. Donald was the only one they thought that could have committed the murders. But there was a problem the prosecution faced in court. They had to decide if they wanted to continue with the theory that this was in fact a ritual killing. As you probably know, we run our own merch store, and when it comes to shipping your merch, the only company we trust is stamps.com to get the job done when it comes to finding the cheapest postage that we can possibly find. But not only that, it saves our team members endless amounts of time from having to drive to the post office, wait in line in order to drop off all your orders. Stamps.com gets it because for the past 25 years, they've been helping businesses just like mine save time and money. I use it on a personal basis to ship gifts and I do tons of online returns because I pretty much only shop online these days and so sometimes I got to pay for my own return shipping. Well, Stamps.com makes it extremely easy to not only get the cheapest postage, whether it be USPS or UPS because they give you discounts that you can't get anywhere else, up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates, which is absolutely amazing. Plus, Stamps.com will automatically tell me what's the cheapest and fastest shipping option. Then once I select that, I just print my postage out on my home office printer and slap it on the box. And then I can even schedule a UPS or USPS pickup right through the stamps.com dashboard. And that's it. Set up your business or your personal for success when you get started with stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code lights out for a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. Everything you need. No long term commitments or contracts required. Just go to stamps.com and click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code lights out. So the ritual killing theory was really what brought this to national mainstream media attention, terrified the masses, especially people who didn't understand Wicca, which is probably even today, you know, probably not a lot of people understand what Wicca is. And it's still debated today if this was truly in fact a ritual killing or not. So at this point in the case, what well, I'm just curious, what do you think? Is it a ritual killing? From the evidence that we have, I would say no. But there is, a you know, based on what Donald's saying, and he picked this up three years ago, and he just went and picked up a book, I would be curious to know what other books were found in the house. Because obviously Wicca, no sacrifices, but that doesn't mean that maybe he started exploring other offshoots of of Wicca or, you know, darker groups that perform rituals and things like that. So it it is all very weird, especially when you think about the fact that the blue moon was happening as well. Yeah, that's quite a coincidence, right? And so yeah, it's seems like quite a coincidence, or maybe there's there is a connection there. Right. It's just not revealed how that connection is being made. And that's a good point, because who's to say maybe the uh, the police investigators had no one on their team to even parse through the literature that they were finding in his prayer book or um, maybe then they didn't have someone on their team, their investigation team to parse through or even understand what some of those books were in his prayer room, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's possibly had some other literature that he was studying or maybe cause it's like Wicca is such a peaceful religion and Donald just doesn't seem like a peaceful person no. at all to me. Like, and that's what's weird is like I just don't see him practicing these like peaceful rituals to nature and to the universe and the cosmos and things like that. I feel like maybe he started there, 
And then he went down a darker road and dug deeper into the occult and started uncovering, you know, maybe he ran into Aleister Crowley or, or some of the other darker figures within occultism. And because the one thing that gets me is like, he clearly planned this out, right? At least to some extent. I don't know how far in advance necessarily, but I think the biggest thing I just thought of this when we were rewatching the interrogation videos, the first thing that he says in the first clip that we watch and the first lie that I detected was he's like, I brought my dogs over to play. I always bring my dog over to play in the backyard. And I think that proves that he was thinking about it. And the neighbor pointed out he didn't have his dog with him, which was odd because all the other weeks he did. So I think there was a bit of, premeditation for something to occur in that house because he specifically didn't bring his dog along yeah that's that's a really good point the other thing i wanted to point out is I, i'm trying to wrap my head around the fact that the bodies had piles of clothes on them is there some significance to that yeah that's a good point because why cover them yeah if you're going to leave the house and nobody's going to go check on the house for days, what is the purpose behind covering up the bodies? And that's where I'm like, maybe there is more there. And maybe some of that information that connects that just hasn't gotten out or the police haven't, you know, never released other things that they found. Sometimes I feel like the media only gets a piece. And I think this is true for, for many cases. We only get a piece of the puzzle or pieces of the puzzle. And sometimes police look really silly in our eyes when they're they're making these assumptions about cases like this. And I almost wonder if there's more that points towards devil worshiping or something darker that they're not revealing because either they don't fully understand it or they feel like it's not, you know, significant enough to expand beyond it. It's like at the end of the day, the police aren't gonna go out there and like defend Wicca, period. Yeah. But are they going to dig in deep enough to be like, actually, it wasn't Wicca. We found these books and it looks like he delved into this practice or this practice and like release all this information around it because maybe they don't see, see that it's important, but actually it is important. Because one thing that I'm thinking of is like, if you're performing a dark ritual, one of the things that I believe many people do and reasons for them doing these dark rit rituals or ritual killings is that they are serving some dark deity, be it a demon or some type of other entity. And therefore, if they follow a particular ritual a certain way, that entity is going to give them protection and power from the consequences. And sometimes I think maybe Donald did do this in a ritualistic way, because if you look at the way that they're killed, it is, it's very, very brutal. It's like, why go to the extent that he did to kill his family in, in the most brutal way possible, bludgeon them, slit their throats, and then proceed to drag them to different areas of the house? I do think there's something to be said about why do he move them? You know, there's a positioning happening, it seems, within the house, and then covering them up with clothes also at the time that this moon is, is occurring i think and it's like piles and piles, yeah, piles. piles. like it's like the ridiculous amounts yeah. it's not just like i wanted to cover them because i didn't want to see them because yeah. i felt remorse about because right, then my you family. Just put one yeah get a shirt sheet over and a put a face. sheet over them yeah. but to pile clothes to the point where they're buried underneath it i i almost feel like 
maybe the the officers aren't aren't completely wrong. Like maybe there is something more to it. Maybe they found something more to the fact that maybe Donald wrote about it or something where he's like, I need to keep or there's a book that they found in there is like keep the bodies warm until until the moon comes out. Yeah. And therefore power will be bestowed upon you. And you know, that's usually how it goes in some of those other other dark rituals that I've heard about. And therefore maybe Donald truly believed that he was going to be protected by whatever this entity that he did these sacrifices to. And obviously, you know, didn't work, but in his mind, he thinks if I just play it cool and collect it and I just deny everything, ultimately this entity is going to save me. And that's just, that's just my total personal theory, total speculation no, I'm, I'm but, on the same way. But it seems like if you dig into it a little bit more, I don't think you can completely write off everything. Of There are too many happened. weird things in this just to be a, a classic murder, killing your family case. There's just like the clothes pile is one. And I, like you were saying, okay, if they're bludgeoned to death, then why? It seems like, yeah, he was slitting their throats to exsanguinate them, which is a very specific Maybe thing he to needed do blood. Body. Yeah, right. Needed yeah. their blood for something. Yeah, and we know blood is a lot of, is connected to a lot of sorts of uh, occult rituals, right? So I'm on the same way, wavelength that you are, but I do realize that at the end of the day, these police officers and the prosecutors kind of realized, are we going to convince a jury right. of a ritual killing? That's I think tough. that's really what it came down to. So, and also it could be multifaceted. Who's to say it, you know, it could be a ritual killing on top of another maybe there's multiple motives totally you know maybe he truly hated them you know there there could be more than one reasons to kill them and the ritual killing might have just been another aspect of it as well yeah that's a great point because ultimately they have to prosecute this in front of a jury and it's going to be way harder to convince a jury that this was ritualistic killings because they just don't have the expertise or knowledge to really prove that and plus you know think about who the jury members are they're you know likely the chances Southern, of getting people that are going to understand what this is Bible is belt. slim yeah. to none. Yeah. So it'd be much easier to prosecute him just on the fact of, and, and I think like you said, it's a layered motive here that oh. it's money. You know, there's clear motive for money. And so maybe in Donald's mind, that was, you know, he had a multi-layered motive there that he was going to do this because he wanted the money he hated his family for x y and z but at the same time if i'm going to do this i'm going to do it with this particular practice or ritual in mind because maybe that will help save me in the end or give me some sort of protection from what i'm about to do yeah and he could have been thinking about it for a very long time but yeah. then when the blue moon was coming around he's a perfect opportunity maybe you know power will be magnified if i do it in this way and and therefore that's why he did it on that that particular day. Again, could just be a big coincidence, but true. I feel that there's just something something darker and and deeper here than than what we even know about. And I believe there's probably more evidence to back up this theory that just hasn't been brought to light or made public. So instead of playing into this theory of a witchcraft ritual killing, the prosecution decided to back off the idea. Because again, convincing a jury of the Blood Moon's connection to a sacrificial blood ritual as a motive would have been very hard to pull off. And that's the last thing you want to do, right? As a, as a prosecutor, you don't want to jeopardize having somebody get off. 
or get acquitted, especially of murder, because you decided to prove a point about, you know, that this was witchcraft or something like that. And they didn't mention any of this at all when it comes to this being ritualistic at all during opening statements. Instead, they decided that Donald's inheritance would be the main motive. So his trial began on January 21st, 2020, and Donald's own son, Donald Hartung Jr., took the stand. He said that Donald was a good father up until he was about 11 years old, and Donald Sr.'s life was taken over by alcohol. It got to the point where his then wife and son wanted nothing to do with him. His son's testimony then added another strange layer to the family dynamic. He claimed that years before, his half-uncle and one of the victims, John Smith, exposed himself to him when he was only four years old. When Donald Jr. told his father about what had happened, Donald Sr. was furious. He confronted Von Seal about it, but she defended John. She said he was special and didn't mean anything by it. Ever since then, the relationship between Donald and his mother and his half-brothers was never the same. I'm going to play a clip of Donald Jr. testifying. Here's what he had to say. Um, yo, you're talking about from when I was a child? Yes. Uh, yeah, there was a situation with the job when I was a kid. Um, he exposed himself to me when I was a child, and uh, I had brought it up to my mom probably a couple of days later. And because of that, uh, a rift had formed between them. I don't think they – I mean, I was a kid at the time, so yes, I don't sir. know what happened behind closed doors. But um, I know they didn't talk for a good period of time. Okay. And I know at some point in time, they everybody moved to Pensacola. Uh, my grandparents, my grandparents, and John R.T. and all of them. Okay, and I, I'm, I apologize. You said that John exposed himself to you. Yes. When you were a child. Yes. Okay. And you told your dad. I told my mom about it. Okay, and yeah. then did your mom tell your dad? Yes. Okay, and then did dad go to your grandmother? I believe so. Yes. Okay, and then whose side did um, your grandmother appear to take? Oh, she uh, she took John's side. It's pretty obvious. Do you remember about how old John was at the time? I th- I'd like to say they're 10 to 12 years older than me. So if I was four-ish, they would have been teenagers at that okay. point in time. Teenagers as in like mid, mid-teens? mid Yeah, mid-teens, 15, 16. I'm not sure exactly. Okay, I, I understand. And I'm yeah. sorry to bring it up. Did that incident seem to separate your father from the other three? Yes. Going back to 2015. <laughs> sorry to jump around. Did your father... Um, bring that situation up with John. Yes. Okay. And what was the nature of that conversation? Um, So I got a call and the call actually started with him saying, you remember a long time ago when you were a little boy? And I was like, where are you going with this? He's like, you remember a long, long time ago when you're a little boy, a situation with Johnny? And then it clicked. I was like, why? Why would I actually forgot about it at that point in time? Right. I was like, why are you telling me about this? He's like, and then that's when he went into the explanation that uh, about the Walmart thing where he thought that he had, he had heard from a, an investigator, uh, maybe from the Department of Defense or something, that John may have did something at a Walmart. And I guess it was kind of backing up, reinforcing the fact that he's maybe a predator or something like that. Okay. Um, and that's how it was basically explained to me. When did he, um, when did you have that conversation with him in relation to the murders of your family? Before he got arrested, so it had been within that two-month period of time. Okay. So now we have a layer of sexual abuse, which is, you know, that adds a lot of, obviously, tension in a, in a family, you know, especially when someone's taking sides or defending someone. Right. right. I mean, seems like more motive for Donald to want to do something to his brother 
Yeah. There's some, there's definite anger there. And it's tough. This case is interesting because investigators had to slowly peel back these layers because since Donald is essentially the only surviving member of this family, we just don't get the family history from really anyone else. Besides, we do get a little bit from his son. Um, we got a little bit from Von Seal's niece, but that's the hard part about this case is that they had their, their foundation for the case. Donald is just a liar. So how, yeah, how do you build the family it's really history? Hard to, to say whether or not any of that is true or not. And really just if there was any other, I mean, it seems like there was major dysfunction within this family and uh, definite past trauma and things like that. Yeah. And one of the biggest signs is uh, the will, right? The will was a huge part of this and it, says i'll quote it i hereby give devise and bequeath to my husband richard a smith providing he will survive me but if he does not survive me then an equal share to my two sons richard thomas smith and john william smith to be theirs absolutely i intentionally make no provision herein to the benefit of my son donald wayne hardtongue jr not for lack of love or affection but because he has sufficient assets of his own you mean hardtongue senior so it actually says junior in the oh in the will yeah which they pointed out uh the defense team pointed that out um and they think it was just a typo just a typo that she, that she meant to put senior saying. yes and not donald's son right which would make sense exactly it's kind of confusing when you get into you know junior senior the, yeah the third yeah. and fourth so yeah she was talking about her son especially because she says donald wayne hart right that's his which middle is, name yeah, yeah. but that's a huge sign, right? That there's tension in the family. And she says that not for lack of love or affection, but because he has sufficient assets of his own, which is not true. He rents his home. He's working and he's pretty old. He's approaching 60. He's still working as a security guard. I don't think he has that much money. And, uh, so that sounds like a lie. And, um, she cut him out of the will. I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty, pretty good sign. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes you wonder what else happened in this family history to get to this point. So the prosecution argued that Donald was approaching 60 years old and he was ready to retire but didn't have the money. So they argued one way to secure his future finances would be to kill his family. Still, Donald claimed he didn't know about the will or how much money his mother's estate was worth. But then the prosecution brought in an inmate to testify against Donald, which uh, I have some feelings about, you know, the validity of bringing in an inmate to testify in front of jurors, um, you know, to talk about jail, jailhouse confessions and things like that yeah. and stuff that's said behind bars. Cause it's, it's really, I mean, you're just taking this guy's word for it pretty much. Yeah. And there's, we know there's an inherent bias for inmates to snake. There's an incentive. Yeah. To snitch on others right they you know they'll they'll say whatever they need to say to get a lesser sentence and that's exactly what happens here so this inmate uh, which we're about to see some clips of him is marlon purifoy who is serving a 30-year sentence for attempted murder while in prison he claimed he and donald met in march 2016 and they shared the same pod together which had about two dozen people in different cells they didn't share the same cell but he spoke to him on and off over the next four years at first, they became friends over their interest in Florida State football. According to Marlin, Donald eventually confessed everything to him. 
and even got down to specifics, which before we listen to this, because it gets very specific, I, I don't know if I believe the relationship, you know, that he would actually tell this inmate these very intimate details of what he did based on what we know. That there's kind of this on and off relationship over for they weren't like cellmates either. Yeah. It, it's much more believable if they were cellmates where they're stuck together for long periods of time, but they were in the same pod with a bunch of other people and he managed to get all this info, but it's also again, it's also prison. Nobody knows each other, so you, there could yeah. just be a lot of bullshit talk, right? Right. Just saying well, things. yeah. I mean, people say a lot of things in prison because you want to appear strong, and so yeah. you know, maybe you're hearing other people talk about their crimes. You're like, oh, I need to exaggerate mine to make myself seem scarier to others, you yep. know, in order to protect myself. So this is very take it for for what what it is, I guess, so with a grain of salt. Here's what Marlon had to say. And did you talk to Mr. Hartung on a regular basis? Yeah, all the time. And when you say all the time, like in a week, how many times would you speak with Mr. Hartung? Well, I come down in a week's time, probably about five, six times. He always sent people for me and stuff. I'm sorry? He always sent people for me. What do you mean he'd send people for like, you? Like, you know, uh, send time to my room. I might be uh, in my room asleep or something. He'll t- send somebody down there to get me and stuff. Okay, so okay. he would send somebody to come get you? Correct. And then you would go to his cell? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Now, um, did he ever go to your cell? No, he never went to my cell. Okay, always his? Always his. Why was that? Because people were scared of him. Oh. My cellar was scared of him, too. Why? They thought he was a witch. Wonder if that really now, works. Now, did you prison. tell yeah, um, right. Mr. Hartung why you were in jail? Yeah, correct, ma'am. Okay. And did you, um, <clears throat> at some point, did you start talking to him about your case? Yes, ma'am, correct. Did you also s- discuss um, religion with Mr. Hartung? Yes, ma'am. Okay, and and what was the nature of your conversations? We talk about voodoo, <clears throat> wicker, and stuff like that. He believed in wicker, and I told him I believed in voodoo. Um, now, did you actually believe in voodoo? No, 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 oh. ma'am. Okay. Why did you tell? Well, why did you tell him that? I just told him that, you know what I'm saying? Because just hear him talk, you know what I'm saying? Making a couple what it's like. Hmm, now, at some point, suspicious. did um, Mr. Hartung give you a list of some, like, Wiccan books or something? Yes, he, he gave me some books uh, the, uh, to look at and stuff, the order and stuff. Okay. And right there, he says, she asks him, oh, well, do you believe in voodoo? And he goes, oh, no, you know, we're, we're just talking. Well, couldn't that defense be made for Donald, right? If you guys are just bullshitting about stuff, then couldn't he just be also bullshitting about stuff? Yeah, I don't know, man. I really question his testimony because there's there's been instances in the past of dirty prosecutors feeding information True, yeah. to people just like Marlon. Yeah. And which is completely, you know, illegal and against the law, but it happens. And it's also interesting that yeah, if the you know, we could go with that line that someone's maybe feeding him information, but it's funny that they decided to pull back from the ritual killing aspect of it. But yet they still bring it up, right? So That's a good point. I wonder what the what the why they're choosing that direction. And um, did Mr. Hartung tell you um, what, what if anything came of that? He said he told his mother about um, his son got molested. His mother said she didn't believe it, and she said John was special. 
and see that that made him mad right there. He started like hating his mama stuff behind it. Donald does look creepy though. <laughs> yeah. Did he tell you um, anything about what his relationship was like with his mother? He said he hated his mother because of the way she treated him. She treated him different from the other boys. Did he say why? They had different daddies. Any other reasons he was upset with his mom? Yeah, and she um he she left him out the wheel. That really made him mad. He said. And what about um, Mr. Hartung's son ab- about the will? Oh, she left him out too. That made him mad. Did he tell you? Um, I guess his mom told him that he was out of the will. Yeah, he said his mama told him back in 2012 that he was out the will. Him and his son. Seems to very specific uh, bullet points that he has on the case too. Like, how's he remembering all this? Yeah, like in such a specific manner. Mm-hmm. Now, did he tell you if um, the murders were, was it just something that kind of happened or was it something he'd been thinking about? Well, he said he'd been playing it last, last three, like three to four years. He said Ouija board made him go overboard though. The what, I'm sorry? A Ouija board. What about a Ouija board? He said that really made him do it, made him go overboard. Donald's hiding a smile if you're listening. He thinks that's funny. Now, did he tell you um, any details about the day the murders actually happened? Uh, yes, ma'am. Okay. And um, what did he tell you? Um, well, did he tell you when he went over there? Yeah, he, he went on up like 11, early, like 11 o'clock, something like that. Okay. And do you know um, what day? He said on a Tuesday. He always goes there on a Tuesday. He said he always goes there on a Tuesday? Yeah, yes, ma'am. And when he went over there on the Tuesday, did he tell you um, what he did? Okay, so he first said, he, when he went over there, he said he left his dog, Zena, because he knew what he was going to do. So he left the dog over there, then he went over there and cooked. Okay, did he tell you what he cooked? He said he cooked chicken and corn, I think screen beans or something like that, and biscuits. Okay, and um, after he cooked, did he oh, tell you what he did? Okay, he said he went and took some cameras down. Because his mother got hurt one time. She fell, and I guess the brother Richard had installed some cameras. He took them down. Okay. All right. And um, did he say if the family ate or not? Say it again? Yeah, did he, yeah did they he, ate. Okay. And then what happened after they ate? He, he said he killed his brother after that, okay. which is John. I'm sorry? He killed his brother, John. Okay. Did he tell you um, how he killed his brother, John? He said he hit him in the head from behind and cut his throat. Did he tell you what he hit him with? I think he said a hammer. I can't recall. Okay. And then did you say he slit his throat? He said his throat. I cut his throat. Cut his throat. Yeah. Did he tell you where um, where John was when this happened? He said it was like in, like in a den watching TV. Okay. Um, did he tell you what he did after he um, did that to John? He went to his mother. Then he, he tortured her so she can tell the uh, accommodation for the safes and stuff. He said he tortured her, I'm sorry? He tortured her. How? He cut a left pinky finger so he can tell the combination for the safes and stuff. Okay. And did he say if he got the combinations to the safe? Yeah, she told him where it was in a black purse. Okay. And um, did he say what else he did to his mom? Then he said he hit her in the head and slit her throat. Did he say what he hit his mom in the head with? No, he didn't. I, I can't recall. He just said he hit her in the head. 
did he tell you where um, his mother was? In the, in, the, in the front room watching TV. So a couple things. I find it very odd that he has all of these play-by-play details of how this all went I was down. Thinking the same thing. I have a very hard time believing that Donald, which based on everything we've seen and we know about him, it doesn't seem like he would be dumb enough to disclose every little minute detail point like this. Point by point. Point by yeah. point. Like literally minute by minute of what happened that night. Doesn't make sense. It really. almost feels like the prosecutor and Marlon are playing this like, you know, she gives the cue. He he has he the answer. The right. It's not even like have. he has to think for a moment to recall this, this minute detail. And then of course, the one detail he forgets is like what what he what Donald hit his you know hit him over the head with it's yeah, like oh so you remember like what they ate for dinner but you don't remember Donald telling you yeah. about the hammer that's a good point he can remember the color of the mother's purse but yeah. he can remember that he killed right. him with a hammer yeah. okay. it doesn't make any sense the other yeah. thing too is the money was still in the safe right yeah so it wasn't taken yeah it was like it either it, Donald never took the money from the safe and I don't think that necessarily means that he didn't torture his mom to try to get details about the safe or other things because of course her pinky was missing but i just am very very sus of this of this testimony i think what this is just my line of thought is that maybe he did have some crucial details but they wanted to make him a star witness right so yeah they might have just fed him a bunch of shit to be like this guy knows everything right and and again the ouija board gets brought up yeah, it's interesting that they are are kind of subtly it's subtly getting it tied in back in there. Yeah. Like, well, that means he's evil. You know, he's got mm-hmm. evil intentions. He's playing with a Ouija board. So, and who knows who's on this jury? Scare right? the jury, right? Yeah. Okay. After he um, did this to his brother and his mom, did he say what he did? He said he went and got the stuff like money out of the, uh, the safe and stuff. In his mama's room. Did he leave some? Because it said they still had the yeah, money. Maybe he just took some of it, but he said there was a safe in his mom's room. Yeah, in the closet. In I just can't closet. see him saying all this to him. Yeah. And at the beginning, he said people are scared of him. Right. Did he, yeah. Um. Did he say anything about Richard? What happened on that day? He waited. Richard came home. And, you know, Richard. He said Richard always come through the back door, and he shot Richard. But he said he did like. It didn't kill him. It didn't kill him. So he, Richard put up a struggle. Okay. And um, did he say anything else about Richard? He said he, uh, he cut Richard, cut Richard throat and stuff. But he said Richard put up a fight with him, though. Did he say anything about the, um, did he say why he had to use a gun? He said Richard was a beard, like 300 pounds. Plus he, he's like worked for Homeland Security. Other than the safe in the mother's room, did he tell you about any other safes? Yeah, he said he told me about another safe too. Okay, and what about that? He said he got money out of that safe. Okay. Did he say where um, that safe was? No, he didn't really say what that safe was. Okay. Why would he care to tell anybody about safes? Like, right. Now, did he tell you how he knew where the safes were in this house? He said he always snooped around the house. He didn't know where it was. He did you say he snooped around the yeah, house? Yeah, he snooped around the house. Like in general, like, like yeah, this snoop around, like this look, look at stuff. Okay, and when you say snooped around, was it just on this day or when he'd been over there previously? He'd been, when he'd been over there previously. Okay. 
you know, everything was. If I had to read Donald's facial expressions and just his mannerisms during while this is going on, it seems like, in, I mean, clearly he's feeling like, how is anybody believing this in a way? I could be completely wrong, but that's just my take on it. Because at one point, kind of like smirks under his hands and he's just kind of like, this is just so ridiculous. Like, how is anybody believing this? And if, if I had to guess, he's kind of like keeps looking over at the jury to see what the jury's reactions are to this. Because I don't, I don't know. For me personally, I don't think this is very like compelling testimony. It almost seems like very scripted, very scripted. Like yeah. she says, it's just very quick. And he's just like recalling all these details about. Yeah, I think like the trying to read Donald, which is hard to do, but if you're going to speculate, yeah, it's like he could be thinking in the back of his mind, he's like, I did do it. I killed them all, but you guys don't, can't read how this is all bullshit. This, this guy's testimony, no way I would tell this guy, but like I did do it, but also this is clearly planted. Yeah. I think that's kind of what he's thinking. Despite us being skeptical, and I'm sure there were others that were skeptical of Marlon's testimony. Many believed that Marlon was telling the truth especially because he did give those small details like Donald cutting off his mother's pinky to find the combination to the safe. Not even the lead homicide detective knew that about the case, but the defense pushed back. They pointed out that a convicted felon can get a reduced sentence by testifying in court. They mentioned that Marlon had once testified in court and got a reduced sentence for another charge in 2004. He was promised that his life sentence would be reduced to a 30 year sentence if he testified in Donald Hartung's case and he might have been eligible for a further reduction in his sentence depending on his testimony. So the defense made sure to point out that he had an incentive to lie or bend the truth. They also tried to poke holes in the rest of the evidence. They brought in a medical expert to question the time of death, Dr. Arden. The prosecution claimed that the victims must have died on Tuesday the 28th, but Dr. Arden testified that due to body heat and signs of rigor mortis, they must have died late on Wednesday the 29th. He also claimed that Donald's DNA at the house was obvious since he visited once a week and there was no physical evidence that connected Donald to the crime. They never found the gun and there was no evidence of blood back at his house. They also reminded the jury that Donald had no significant criminal history and he also suffered from detachment disorder. Supposedly, he suffered from emotional detachment, which is when a person is unable to engage in their own or other people's feelings. I had never heard of this before, but a forensic neurologist also pointed out that Donald suffered from frontotemporal dementia, which impacts cognitive function. They even showed x-rays of his brain that had these little white dots that weren't supposed to be there. And this condition might have also affected his decision-making at the time of the murders. So something to take into account. Plus, he also grew up in a trauma-filled environment and was abandoned by his father when he was only three months old. He was also sexually abused when he was a child. And the defense then tried to undercut the lead crime scene technician, Christine Rollins. She had collected the DNA at the crime scene four years earlier, but before the start of the trial, she had been fired and prosecuted for stealing drugs from a different crime scene. She was facing up to 170 years in prison. But in the end, she was sentenced to two years of community control, eight years of probation, and 200 hours of community service, plus $10,000 in fines. The original medical examiner had also since resigned from her position after being accused of misusing state funds. So that's just some major problems with the investigating authorities. Yeah. That's definitely reason to question the prosecution. Yeah. Yeah. The prosecution, the investigation, a lot of things that they did. Yeah. 
But all of this wasn't enough to convince the jury. Again, the strongest physical evidence they had was that Donald's cigarette butts were above the bloody paper towels in the trash, and of course the DNA on Richard's belt and belongings. After six days of testimonies and four hours of deliberating, here's what the jury came back with. In the circuit court in Enforce, Stanley County, Florida, State of Florida Plaintiff versus Donald Wayne Hartung, Defendant, Case Number 1715-CF-004806A, Division C, Danheiser. Verdict, as to the charge in Count 1, Bunsil Smith, we the jury find the defendant, daughter Hartung, guilty of first-degree murder as charged in the indictment. As to the charge in Count 2, John Smith, we the jury find the defendant, Donna Hartung, guilty of first-degree murder as charged in the indictment. As to the charge in Count 3, Richard Smith, we the jury find the defendant, Donna Hartung, guilty of first-degree murder as charged in the indictment. So say we all. Jennifer Cassart, dated 1-29-2020. So yeah, guilty on all counts. Um, Doesn't seem surprised at all either. Yeah. Pretty stoic, as is, uh, I mean, even when we were watching the interrogation videos, right? Maybe he's no just much. a stone vault. That's that's the kind of guy he is, just a stone wall, and that's it. Um, on February 7th, 2020, Donald was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences in prison. The death penalty was on the table at some point, but Florida's death penalty rules have been constantly changing over the years. So before 2016, jurors needed a seven to five majority vote for the death penalty. After March 2017, they needed a unanimous jury vote that every juror had to vote for the death penalty. So during Donald's trial, they needed a unanimous vote, which did not pass. Instead, they moved forward with life in prison without parole. And then this year, in 2023, again, we saw that law change. Now, only eight out of 12 jurors need to vote for the death penalty. So he was kind of just in that bag, a sweet spot. Yeah, so it kind to, of so seems like speak, either way, though, they probably wasn't going to get the, the yeah. death penalty. It was just in that time frame they needed a completely unanimous vote. But yeah, that's it's crazy how fast the Florida death penalty law. I'm just glad they gave him life sentences without the possibility of parole. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, if it's if he's not getting the death penalty, then at the very least it should be that yeah. uh, sentence. After his sentencing, Donald claimed that the jury had been misled and that he didn't have a proper defense team. Let's hear from Donald. Wilson replied. I asked her opinion, she said, you're a stupid asshole. I said, what? What did you say? And Mr. Wilson said, I said, you're a stupid asshole. I respectfully asked Judge Thomas Danheiser to reconsider my motion for the removal of Michael J. Griffin as my attorney. I request also that Sharon Wilson be removed before phase two of this miscarriage of justice can continue. I submit that you, Judge Danheiser, examine the testimony ex parte of my majority yourself. You grilled her for about an hour, hour and a half. During which time, the names and addresses of 31 possible witnesses for phase two were presented. This past Friday, past Friday, during testimony, Mr. Wilson revealed that only two doctors paid for it by the state would be called to testify. On June the 3rd, 2019, a continuance was issued, partly because Mr. Wilson had not prepared witnesses. And now, almost seven months later, not a single subpoena has been requested. 
Michael had names of at least 12 character witnesses, including Michael Brooks. Michael Brooks at Sacred Heart Hospital, been head of security there for G4S for over 20 years. My work supervisor at Sacred Heart for nine years and nine months until I was suspended. And I might add here, Your Honor, that the reason why I wrote the letter of resignation, and Mr. Griffin actually wrote the letter, I just signed it. The reason why I sent the letter was because I wanted to get unemployment. I was on food stamps and unemployment, Your Honor. I gave $100,000 to some high priest that rode off on a Harley while I was on food stamps. I don't see how that really helps his case there. No. Seems to show that he was in need of money desperately. Yeah, true. And it he just seems all bent out of shape about this case as well. I mean, by the end of this, I, I will admit I, I had a few doubts about this case. Uh, I wasn't, I don't know, after all the evidence and everything, I, I like wasn't, I wasn't 100% convinced that mm. he did all these things. I mean, if I, I'd say I was like 95% convinced, but I did have a small bit of doubt. Uh, well, I think, I don't think it was handled without most care. That's for sure. Yeah. By the prosecution. And, and, you know, it sounds like he's pissed at his lawyers for not bringing the right witnesses to testify on his behalf to help make him look better. I mean, he's clearly just upset at this point that, you know, he just got the sentence that he did. I think at the end of the day, though, the DNA doesn't lie. I think it's, you know, unless he was framed, his cigarette butts with his DNA and his DNA only are on top of those bloody paper towels. So to me, it seems like either he killed his family or he had somebody kill his family, but he was there Yeah, at the time of cleanup. There was a part of me that thought, though, I was like, what if... What if he had gone there, smoked some cigarettes at a different time, or he was there on that Tuesday, you know, smoked cigarettes earlier in that day? This is just me thinking sure. out loud. And then let's say a totally different killer came along, did what they did, and then while they were cleaning up, they also somehow swept in Donald's cigarettes on top of the cleanup job. I don't know. It's possible. There's, but there's it's, enough like, like it's, in my mind where there could be a little bit, little bit of doubt. Sure, but sure. If I mean, gun to my head, he's guilty. But well, and I mean, and the police basically admitted they looked at Donald and no one else. Yeah, yeah. No, they didn't even. They literally just were like, "This is our guy." Yep. Which is always dangerous because you never know if you know one hundred percent you've got the right guy or not. And I mean, Donald's. Other than Marlon's testimony, it doesn't sound like Donald's really ever admitted. I mean, he clearly says he's innocent and yeah, he's never confessed and he's never confessed from his own mouth. So, I mean, I, I do think Marlon's testimony is, you know, that inmate's very suspect. It seems very, I don't know. And it wouldn't put, I wouldn't put past this, this uh, prosecution it's, county yeah, that dude, there's some, I mean, there's, we already know there's dirty people working for them. So I'm sure there's a history of this type of stuff going on there that yeah. we didn't even bring up so and is I mean, it possible like the sheriff we pointed out was up for re-election but then at some yeah. point i i was reading this article about him that he spent some crazy amount of money of taxpayer dollars on a statue for himself oh that's wonderful that he had to yeah. go refund so it seems like the, yeah some weird stuff there's going some on dirty dirty system. stuff going on within this this county for sure and see it all the time i mean it's not surprising and they mess up cases all the time. Yeah. So is it possible that this is a botched case and there's somebody else responsible for these murders? Possibly. I do think the DNA is 
is hard to refute. Also motive. Motive is there. I mean, there's a lot of factors here that make sense for him to be the one that did it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think you got to also look at what the family believes too. And that's where we're going to leave you with this episode is with the victim impact statements because I, I always go back to the family of the victims here and obviously you know it's it's tragic what happened to to the smith family and just the brutality in which they died is something that is somebody needs to pay for this and in my eyes i think donald is the one i think he's the guy that did this agreed i mean there's he he didn't do a very good job at defending himself too i mean you go back to the interrogation tapes i mean if he really wasn't involved you would think that he would have made them convince them a little bit better than he did. He, yeah. he really didn't try that hard to, to convince in investigators that he was the one that did it or offer up other theories either. You know what I mean? Especially if you look at, if you really want to speculate about other theories, you'd think he would have tried to sell those better. He didn't. He's yeah. just like, like, I have no idea. To, yeah. me, to and, me, it seems like it's him. And when they said like, Oh, well we think it has to be someone close to the family. This seemed personal right. X, Y, and Z. And he's right. like, he kind of froze. Cause he's like, Oh, I don't even know anyone who's close to the family because they weren't. They were very homebodied people who kept to themselves, who didn't know many people. So yeah, as far as motivation goes and someone who is directly connected to them, yeah, it seems like it's got to be him. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, there's family members that now don't have their loved ones as a result of what Donald did. So, but with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the episode here. I think it's important to end with, with the victims and, you know, there's a whole family that's affected by what Donald did that day. So we'll see you guys next week on Lights Out. But here's what the family had to say. See you next time. As far back in my memory of Aunt Bonnie as I can remember, I idolized her. I thought she was so beautiful. And not only on the outside, but on the inside as well. Outside beauty fades with age, but not inside beauty a good heart. Her beauty never faded in my eyes. I will forever miss her hugs, her laughter, her southern drawl. Everybody was sugar, honey, sweetie, all those southern slang words. She always made everyone feel special no matter who you were or what you did, your occupation, poor or rich. She treated everyone the same as it should be, as she learned from being a Christian. She was a Christian. She not only talked the talk, but lived it out in her life, the Christian life. Another thing I loved about Aunt Bonnie was how she always talked to the third person. Like when my father passed away, it was sugar, if you need anything, call Aunt Bonnie, or honey, you know Aunt Bonnie loves you. I miss that. That's how she talked all the time. Richard Thomas Smith, also known as R.T. by his family, was a smart smart and caring man. He was a huge University of Alabama fan, and Alabama memorabilia covered his office. He dedicated his entire life to his family. He loved his family so much that he gave up his personal life to his family, for his family. The day of Mr. Smith's funeral, Richard had to help his mom put on her shoes. When she got out of the car at the cemetery, she tripped or something and hurt her ankle. 
He felt guilty that he didn't put her shoes on correctly, causing her to hurt her ankle. I remember one time I asked Richard, when does he get time for himself? He says the only downtime he gets is when he can sit around in the office and visit with his friends. He had no downtime once he got home. Not only did Richard take care of his parents and John, he also had to take care of the family dog, Bear. Bear wouldn't even eat unless Richard acted as if he was going to eat Bear's food before the dog would eat. I used to tease him that he even spoiled the dog. To a handful of his closest work friends, Richard was like an annoying big brother who teased without mercy, but they always, always knew he had their back. He would protect and defend without question. He was a gracious gentleman who would open doors for women and also allow other men to go before him. He was content to be last. He was generous and for almost two decades would go out of his way each Friday morning to buy hot Krispy Kreme donuts for his co-workers, always refusing to accept money from anyone. He was always the last contributor to the office collections for special events and always offered to give more if he needed. Richard was always willing to sacrifice for others. He once told a co-worker friend that he wanted it all, marriage, children, a home of his own, but he knew it was his responsibility to take care of his parents and his brother John, 